Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are talking about property and specifically affordability issues which are impacting on so many Australians right now, whether they're buyers or whether they're people that rent. Uh, the strain on the hip pocket is enormous and there is government policy out there right now that's about to make that a whole lot worse. Take plenty of notes as always, make sure you take plenty of action. See you in the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurential. A little scared to be your co-host today, AB, let me assure you, because we're going to rile you up here today talking about economics versus politics. Very contentious topic at the moment, and specifically, we're going to address the housing crisis and inflation here in Australia. Very much so. And, and look, I, I think it's a really important precursor to this. Um, you know, this podcast isn't based on any political agenda. It's going to be based on common sense, nuts and bolts, economic policy, and really facts of the matter that add up versus pipe dreams and BS, which is being propagated in the political world, which is nothing new. That's the idea of politicians is to sell us the dream and we pay for the broken glass on the back end of it. That's right. Overpromise, underdeliver, right? A quick, a quick synopsis for our listeners out there, property market as it stands in Australia, yep. supply shortage, right? Raging. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, what's been great for us landlords, a really, really strong uh, property market. And we're the bad people, of course, if you're a landlord. But the reality is there is an enormous uh, shortage of rental property out there. Uh, the rental rates have gone through the roof in terms of what people are having to pay. Uh, and, um, you know, there, there's an acute shortage. I mean, there's full occupancy in, in all the major cities, all the major states. So, yeah, it's a very, very tight property market, which has left people that are in the rental trap in a very, very difficult uh, and uncomfortable position. And I, I guess that's further reinforced when you look at, um, was it something like 33, I think the stats come out on Friday, 34% of household income is now going on living or dwelling expenses, which, it's a lot. which is not tenable. Uh, yeah. yeah, under different circumstances, you know, if you go back to the early 1980s when interest rates were, were in the high teens, you go, well, you know, owning a property is incredibly expensive, renting a property is expensive, but what we've got compounding this issue right now is also inflation, and we'll get on and talk more about that, uh, across a lot of areas. So you're paying $2.20 plus uh, to fill your car up with fuel a litre. Um, you know, you're filling your shopping cart up, it's costing multiple hundreds of dollars a week. If you've got the electricity on, it's 40% more expensive. So the cost of living in general has gone way beyond, you know, 5 6 7% CPI and is really hurting people. The average mortgage repayments in Sydney now are $62,500 a year, which is you know basically a net full-time income for one person uh, based on average wages. So it's a real problem. And when you hear from the government, it's okay, we're from the government, we're here to help. The, usually the, the outcome from that, and I appreciate this sounds a little cynical, is the exact and equal opposite. Uh, it's the most scary uh, words you'll ever hear, we're from the government, we're here to help, we're going to fix the property market. The reality is what's been passed as legislation is about to cause a further catastrophe for all parties that are struggling right now uh, and others. So it's a very, very sad time to be talking about this. We're very cognizant and aware of the problem that renters are facing, what average Australians are facing, and it's about to get a whole lot worse. You look at first-time buyers, which are really struggling. They're at the lowest level they've been at since 10 years, uh, for 10 years, excuse Correct. me. And construction loans are at the lowest they've been since the GFC, which means there's no houses being built either to solve the problem. Here comes the government, as you say. So let's talk a little bit about that stimulus yep. package. Uh, and, and those stats that you just mentioned about first home buyer, any market in order to, we've talked about this previously, any market to 
to really thrive and grow organically needs all participants to be working in it. You need first-time buyers, you need families that are upgrading, you need people that are downsizing to have a really healthy uh, market. And the absence of first-time buyers, and it is down to affordability largely, um, is is very, very challenging. Uh, and so that ecosystem of the property market is, is is almost eating itself. And as you rightly say, you know, housing starts or, or, or construction loans, and it's not just here in Australia, it's interesting, it's the same in the US. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, or at GFC levels, which is again rather scary. So, yeah, income the government. Um, we've got the Albanese government uh, and the Greens with the um, what, what are we calling this one? The uh, Housing Australia Future Fund, which we'll get on and talk about in a in a few moments' time. But we're, we we seem to be going down a pathway now where we're adamant over the next five years that we're going to have one and a half new m- million people living in our country. New um, migrants, right? New migrants coming into Australia. Our students, I suspect. Yeah, I think around half are expected to be students. And, and, and don't get me wrong, as a migrant to Australia myself, migration is an important thing. Um, there's also a time and a place for it, too, where you need your economy to be working on full employment, where you've run out of labour effectively and you're asking new people to come in and bring value. You want skilled migration that brings value uh, to the community. You, you want a broad spectrum of sources of migrants to continue to diversify uh, the, the society we're in rather than one particular type of uh, or group coming in. And, and as you say, around half of these people are students, which oftentimes can then stay on subsequently uh, and make this their home. So, you know, that one and a half million new people coming in, where are they going to live, Mitch? Well, I mean, you'd have to build new homes, right? Which is what the Future Fund is designed to do. So mm-hmm. let's let's talk about that package and the maths doesn't really stack up, but we'll it run through that. Well, if you look at uh, from a migration perspective, for every thousand new migrants, you need 550 dwellings. So whether that's a one bedroom, uh, two bedroom family home, you need five hundred. You need around five hundred and fifty dwellings per thousand coming in the door. So, so we need a lot of new houses, basically. Yeah, about eight hundred thousand to be precise, based on one and a half million people uh, coming in the door. So eight hundred thousand new houses uh, or new dwellings, whether that's a one bedroom apartment, studio apartment, dormitory, something, donga caravan. Who cares? As long as they can sleep somewhere. Yeah. So there's a need for 800,000. So we've got the Housing Australia Fund uh, that's that's been uh, tabled and passed by Labor and the Greens uh, to fix the problem. And I guess we'll lift the hood on that now to see, well, will it fix the problem or is it something that's simply going to exacerbate a problem? And I think it's probably the latter as we'll explore as we go through these numbers. So they believe it's $10 billion that they're allocating to this stimulus yeah. package? So yeah, $10 billion is being, and it's very important to emphasise this, being borrowed uh, to, uh, to create this fund in order to build houses for people. And the expected return on that $10 billion is around $500 million a year, which these are big numbers. And for your average person on the street, so, well, that's great. That's, that's a large number, of, a large amount of money. We can move the needle with this. Well, um, the interest rate is on that. Well, that's not factored in. So, yeah, uh, if you think about the 10-year bond in Australia right now, if it's done through a bond issuance, uh, it's about 5%. So if you're making $500 million, which is 5% on that $10 billion, You're breaking even. But your interest payments are 5%. You're effectively creating net no new money. Yeah. Uh, or you're going to leave, and, and this is quite interesting, having just read through the policy uh, and the stated objective of the fund is to create uh, assets for Australia, but in actual fact what you're effectively going to leave is a, tail, uh, 
uh, a trail of debt uh, because any money, if it's raising 5% a year, is going to go to servicing the actual debt that's created. It's not going to actually provide any funding for new houses. But let's park that to the side just as an inconvenient piece of economic truth for a moment because if $500 million a year is then being allocated, and don't get me wrong, this is an admirable cause. Building houses, especially affordable houses, is something that needs to happen. Totally. But I think the 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 um, the political bandwagon that's been attached to this is just an absolute crock as we'll see as we go through this. So 500 million uh, being allocated towards building houses. Now, when you, when you think about this, the objective is to build 30,000 new houses uh, per year. Okay. So now we've got we, a few years at this then by the sounds of things. Yeah, we need 800,000, remember, for the one and a half million migrants. Plus, don't forget, we need more houses anyway for the people that can't find anywhere to rent and are really right. struggling right now as well. Yeah. Um, but the quantum is 30,000 houses are to be built uh, at, a, at a cost, uh, an estimated cost of $85,000 per dwelling. Um, that, that doesn't sound right, $85,000 per dwelling. No, it doesn't sound right, does it? That's someone that's done yeah. a, a fair bit of development in my time, I'd probably call that into question as to just how viable $85,000 per dwelling actually is for affordable housing housing, or any housing for that matter. I think the average home build cost in Oz is around three twenty to three fifty. That doesn't even count the land. It doesn't include the land. So, so you're looking at about what, four seventy, four eighty? Yeah, about four seventy, you know, if you if you found cheap land. Uh, to build on. The question is, where do most of these people want to be? Well, if they're students, they're going to be attending universities which are in the inner city areas, which yeah. means it's going to be rather expensive to, to buy land to then build on. So, yeah, again, parking that rather inconvenient piece of economics to the side for a moment. If the state of objective is to build 30,000 houses a year at 85 grand a pop, um, there's your, there's your you know, there you go, three, it's a, you know, you're, there, you're at your $500 million a year Yet the reality is, it's going to cost about four seventy per dwelling to build them. So you're going to build twenty percent of the houses you need if you've got a five hundred million dollar budget, which means you're effectively building uh, what's that six thousand houses a year. You need eight hundred thousand, but you're building six thousand a year. Now you and I are geniuses, AB, and we've worked this out. I don't really understand how, if you're in politics, you couldn't run the maths yourself and come up with the same. Yeah, look, as I say, we're from the government, we're here to help. And it's Joe Taxpayer, you, me and everybody else that pays their share of income tax. Ultimately, that's going to be left to sweep things up because the response, and you can almost script it right now, will be because of the increased cost of construction, what was a beautiful model to help everybody. Well, it's not really helping anyone because you're bringing one and a half million people into an overcooked property market where no one's got anywhere to live right now anyway. And you're going to build a very small number of houses per year uh, based on the budget that you've got. And of course, most of the revenue you're raising is going to offsetting the interest on the loan. So you're actually creating debt to build houses now, which will blow out uh, of all proportion. Um, and you're going to be in a situation where we've got rampant inflation in our country right now. And I've talked previously about inflation is not the cost of living rise. That's a byproduct of the uh, of inflation. Inflation is purely created by increased money supply, chasing a handful of goods and services as an increased. Um, and the only people that can increase money supply is the government. So what you're effectively saying is we've got inflation. We're bashing Aussie mortgage holders over their head by charging them more interest to service their loan, as we saw, you know, Melbourne Cup Day, uh, in terms of another interest rate rise for people to have to support. And it's already a creaky model at best right now in terms of where people are in terms of being able to service their debt. And what we're going to do is throw $10 billion at creating more inflation, uh, particularly in the construction sector. And the reason we've seen so many construction companies fall over uh, in the last probably 18 months, two years is an overhang of all the stimulus that went in there during COVID. 
So we haven't learned that lesson that overstimulating a construction sector ultimately causes it to blow up and costs to blow out, which is what we've already seen. We're about to do the next thing, which isn't a, a COVID economic package. Instead, it's going to be um, you know, the, uh, the uh, Housing uh, Australia Future Fund, which is going to do exactly the same thing, cause more inflation, which causes more interest rate rises, doesn't create enough dwellings for people to live in, especially when you've got another million and a half people living in your country. And in three, five or eight years time, when we're all left to pick up the mess of this and go, okay, well, yeah, there's a bit more debt than we expected because it was more expensive than we thought to build properties. Sorry, taxpayer, you can pick this up. Sounds great. Can't wait to sign up for it. And just thinking on that, if you're a construction company, you could basically name your price on this. It's guaranteed work, which in turn means that the employees of the construction company spend more if they're being paid more and then Mm. you have more inflation. It just doesn't make much sense at all. So, you know, it's important that there's economic policy that drives economic growth in our country. That's very, very important. And building new houses is very important. Maybe that 10 billion would be better serviced on Australians that pay their tax uh, than it is to invite one and a half million new migrants to stretch and, uh, and blow up the model. And again, I say that as someone that is a migrant to this country myself, there's no racist undertone to that. It's pure economics that we need to make sure that we are looking after our people first, our taxpayers and the citizens of this country and providing them maybe more affordable housing than creating this wave of further demand, particularly in inner cities where there already isn't any supply to meet it. Um, and, and I guess, you know, we've talked a bit about where the problem sits and there'll be naysayers that listen to this and go, well, it's just a political witch hunt. It's not. I, I just like to make sure as a taxpayer, my money is going to good causes and in a position that I'm in to be, I guess, um, a voice that speaks to you know, tens of thousands of people through our platform that we have here, that people actually understand the ramifications, that it's not this oh, look, we've got this beautiful thing, affordable housing. Oh, yeah, everyone with a pulse in Australia will sign up and support something that's about affordable housing. But is it going to fix the problem we've got when that affordable housing is going to be a drop in the bucket to the problem of immigration that we're really creating? The answer is no. It's just going to exacerbate the set of problems we've got, both in terms of inflation and overcooked property uh, sector in terms of development. It's going to result with migration on the back of it of higher rents for everybody. And all we're going to be is in a $10 billion hole because the money we're going to raise from the returns of this $10 billion is going to go to servicing interest only and not actually any new capital to actually pay for this stuff. But the taxpayer that picks it up. And it's a, it's a lovely political banner to sit on that people are blissfully unaware of because on the surface, it sounds a great idea. So what's the solution? I think if I go back to my time at university uh, and it's something that perhaps is different in all countries, and I get that. Uh, although, if we take Bond, for example, doing a talk at Bond Uni uh, in a week or two, actually. Excited for that. Um, student accommodation was great. Student accommodation is a really important Different thing. levels of affordability yep. and plenty of it. So, uh, during my first year at uni, uh, we had um, a, a choice of halls of residence, which effectively uh, was like a bed and sink and desk, yep. and then a communal bathroom on the floor. Um and, and a communal kitchen, and it was sort of half board. You get breakfast and lunch or breakfast and dinner. Uh, and then they had self-contained where they had a bigger kitchen, you cook your own stuff and, yep. and everything in between. But it was the university's responsibility to build that accommodation on campus and obviously recover those fees over a period of time from the rent that they would charge the students. 
Uh, and on the back of that, you'd get a fairly hefty and healthy tax deduction from the government to say, look, you're building accommodation for your students. So we'll give you a tax concession because you're making sure that housing isn't a bigger problem uh, in, in cities where typically universities are. Yep. So it keeps the property market stable. And, and the cause and beneficiary, so the cause being the, the, the migration of people in, whether it's students or whether it's anything else, uh, is, is, is paid by those people that are causing the problem to the university, which is fixing the problem. And it becomes this little virtuous cycle of, of doing stuff. Now, it's a different model here in Australia. I know Bond does have student accommodation, but you know, a lot of universities don't have that. And then it falls on government and public sector to pick up the tab uh, and help universities, which you know, are going to be making a lot of money from you know, 700,000 overseas students coming and paying That's their right. tuition fees. So university accommodation for that, any other suggestions you'd make, Abby, looking purely at the economics? Yeah, look, there there are, and again, this one, I'm sure it will go on to be a little bit more of a a subject in its own right, but I I do believe, and I've talked to this previously, that people's superannuation should be allowed to be used to buy uh, a home to live in if there are affordability issues, because ultimately it is your money. As a first-time buyer for everyone? For everyone. Okay. Uh, But you've got the ability then to also make sure that uh, if it's a primary place of residence in Australia, you don't pay capital gains tax. So it's tax-free, which in all fairness is probably how it should be. However, if you've used money from your super to pay for your property, well, when you come to sell it, whatever point that might be, then it should be taxed at the prevailing rate for super, which is 15% tax. So it becomes a bigger tax earn for the government long-term, but it also helps uh, the individual better get into the property market or to afford to have a family home, which is a win-win. And ultimately, if you've got a family home and you transition to retirement, chances are you're going to scale down. So selling it, paying a, a, a pro-routed amount to your super or to it via, via capital gains tax for the amount that you use your super for to get into it and then downscale into a smaller home, uh, it, it makes perfect sense. But yeah, there's a lot of resistance to that. And, and the resistance typically is, you know, we've already got an overcooked property market without all that super dough going in there. Um, maybe rather than just using interest rates, which affect all participants in the property market, if we feel that, um, yeah, the rental market, for example, is being exploited by landlords, unscrupulous landlords. Um, why not change the loan to value requirements for investment property? So instead of a 20% deposit, you need a 50% deposit. Now that will create more supply because a lot of property owners won't be able to support that and they will have to sell. So you've got property coming back into the market uh, for, for people to then to be able to buy where they're not competing against investors that are simply looking at a yield. They're not looking at affordability because ultimately if they pay too much for the property, they can push the rent up anyway to cover that. So yeah, th- th- there are some potential solutions that are there that don't rely on you, me and every other taxpayer of this country sitting on what I can absolutely guarantee will be a cost overrun and a massive taxpayer-driven subsidy to have to right the ship of the Housing Australia Future Fund, which has just got trouble written all over it. It's a vote winner. It's a popular soundbite. We're doing something to fix the problem. But as we've just unpacked, the only thing that's going to be going on here is petrol on a fire, which is already out of control. That is not what Australians deserve from their leadership. It's not what Australians deserve to have uh, in terms of an economic policy that's created in the background to exacerbate the problems that they're facing right now, which is struggling under mammoth cost of living. And it's one that so many people are blind to because it's come in a really nice bit of political wrapping paper that just when you tear it off, it's just like, this isn't about affordable housing at all. It's just going to create a massive problem for everybody. And this is not a matter of opinion. These are the numbers. So when you break it down, as you say, it's just crazy. Even if it is opinion, Mitch, at least we're offering some tenable 
alternates, i.e. universities that are going to be the beneficiary of more overseas students, get in your pocket, get a tax concession for doing it, we're not saying you're going to pay for it, Um, get a tax concession for doing it, or even a government subsidy for doing it, to to build accommodation for those students that you wish to house. And likewise, for the rest of our population, Australians, us Australians that live in our country, allow people, if they need to, to access their super to buy a house, there will be conditions on it. Loan-to-value ratios can be used to make sure it doesn't create a frothy pop property market, the tax collection long term is going to be significantly high because it's now not uh, a tax-free uh, regime because you're going to pay your, your, your prorated amount that you should pay for super. That to me is a far more sensible policy and maybe we do need to have migration but it needs to be the right kind of migration and we're not set up for it until we write the ship and get our property market stable here. Absolutely. AB, thank you very much for your advice today and for the breakdown. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Mitch. And again, there's no political colour to that. They're just hard facts. It's economics, not politics. And that's what we're all about. That's right. Speaking of colour, nice suit. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Green. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.